0: Ready to form Voltron.
1: I am Batman. This is a job for Superman. Power Rangers. Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots transform. By the power of Grey
2: Skull. For the honor of Grey Skull. Hello. I'm the
0: doctor. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Charlie's Geekcast. The show about me and what I like but mostly about what I like. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, which I guess makes sense considering the name of the show. And this episode, I'm going to talk about comics without actually reviewing any. But first, I figure I should probably introduce myself. Um, Like I said, my name is Charlie Niemeyer. I was born in August of 1980. uh, And I have been a comic collector for, damn, 20 years now. Um, well, I did own a few comics while I was growing up, um, I had been given the uh, three of the issues of Marvel's Secret Wars miniseries. Don't ask me which ones. All I know is one of the issues invo- was the one where Hulk was holding up a mountain. And I really didn't read through it because at that time I only knew the DC heroes. And this was Marvel. Didn't give a crap. Um, and I had some He-Man comic. And I had three issues of Batman right around the time the first dish, the, the first Batman movie came out because of a little three pack that someone had given me for my birthday that summer but other than that that was all I had for a while and then all of those disappeared when we moved in 19 in the summer of 1992 because Charlie doesn't look at these and they're basically trash <sighs> anyway uh, I'm not bitter about that at all. Uh, Christmas in 92, though, things changed. Uh, now keep in mind that um, Batman was still pretty big on people's minds since that summer had seen the release of Batman Returns. And the movie had just gone to home video that October. Plus, the toys were still out. Uh, so I was pretty big into Batman that Christmas. And well I don't remember much of what I got that Christmas as by way of other presents... Uh, I do remember that in my stocking that year I had a copy of Batman number 47 in my stocking and I must have read through that issue like two or three times that day I still have it it's fallen all to crap I probably should replace it but I just it's a sentimental thing Uh, and thanks to a subscription ad in that issue uh, yes yes I did cut that out I was able to subscribe to the Batman comic just in time for Nightfall to start. In fact, my timing on collecting comics was really terrible because shortly after that, Walmart had a and I've mentioned this on several other podcasts but Walmart had a set of comics that collected basically the entire Funeral for a Friend storyline from the Superman uh, Superman comics meaning that the very first superman comic i ever owned was adventures of superman 498 which was of course the first superman comic to come out right after superman 75 which is where he died so i start batman just in time for him to s- just in time for nightfall to start so i get to see him get sick and tired and you know get his back broken and i pick up superman just in time for him to already be dead Awesome. Fortunately, I didn't let that get me down. Uh, one of the Superman comics had a uh, an ad for a mail-order comic shop where that allowed me to get some old comics, and I did. I got some Superboy stuff, some Superman stuff, and some Batman stuff. Um, and I stuck around with the new stuff long enough for both of the heroes to return. Um... After Batman came back, I eventually switched my subscription over to Action Comics. Again, just in time for Roger Stern to leave that title. Damn it. And um, after that ran a couple years, I actually switched that over to Superboy, which actually was pretty good timing for once. Uh, that was right around the time that um, DC Comics had decided that since they weren't doing multiple Earths anymore, they would do Hyper Time. And so there was a big story that ran through the Superboy book called Hypertension, which was a five or six-parter, I think, maybe more, in uh, which Superboy got to explore Hyper Time a little bit, and so I actually got that through a subscription, so that was cool, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, also around this time, they, uh, Sam's Club had these cool comic collections, bigger than the one at Walmart of course, that basically collected all of the regular series superhero com- or regular price point series comics at that time which was the 150 price point granted there were a few books that I wouldn't normally have read anyway like Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation which I actually kept in pretty pristine condition planning to sell them one day which I never did but I did give them to Scott Gardner a few years ago so they, that worked out um let's see but um those issue, those collections ran for they did that for four or five months and I was able to get um that actually was very good timing uh, that, that series uh, gave me the first few issues of Green Lantern where Kyle Rayner took over the mantle starting with issue 51 um it, several issues of The Flash including the introduction of Impulse um the, over in the Superman titles at the time they they were doing the battle for metropolis and the fall of metropolis as well as the stuff leading up to you know as well as aftermath of all that um, over in the bat books we had night's end and the end of night's quest I guess but night's end although this collection didn't Co- didn't have the Shadow of the Bat or Legends of the Dark Knight series because those two were at the $1. seventy-five price point. So, I missed out on a lot of that, including the freaking conclusion to that story. Again, I'm not bitter. Um, but, yeah, these actually led right up to Zero Hour. So I also got the the, the crossover in most of the books uh, leading up to Zero Hour, including the issues at the end of that month, where everything faded out to white for the last couple of pages, which was really cool when you think about it. Um, Unfortunately, the following month, which was the Zero month, which I was really looking forward to, they didn't have a set for that. So, it took me years, but I got most of the ones I was really interested in. The Green Lantern one, the Flash one, all the Batman ones, and all the Superman ones, and I've gotten a few others. But, um... Um, but yeah, after that, um, by that point, I had a job. Not a really high-paying one at that point, I mean, it was only 14, but I had a job, and um, my grandfather and I, would ha- we'd always been close since I was a little kid, so we actually had would take one day a month and actually go out and just hang out, just the two of us, which is really cool. And one of the places we'd go was a, con- was a comic shop. Uh, there had been one over by his house, uh, but it closed. But fortunately, right around then, we also found one by my house, which was more convenient anyway. Although this around this time, and you could tell it was before, like books like Crisis on Infinite Earths was resurged in their popularity because, you know, that issue I think it's number seven, where Supergirl dies. I got that for a buck. So yeah, um, and it's actually in really good condition. I don't know why it was a buck. But at the time, and now it's like seven bucks, but back then i c got I got it for a buck, so that was pretty cool um and then, of course, later on, I kept buying more, some back issues, some newer things, uh trying to keep current at least on the superman books um, and eventually, I got this really nice government job um and then I, and that was actually a work study through my school so I was still living at home, and really the only payment I had was, I believe, half of my car insurance payment. So, yeah. That was a lot of money to spend, and I got to just drive out to the comic shop, buy comics, go home and read them. I was reading a lot of comics at this point. Uh, To the point where my grades started suffering, so I actually had them taken away from me by my parents. Fantastic. I know. But, after... After high school finished, um, when I started going to college, I actually still lived with my parents. Which, looking back, in some cases looks really bad, but in other cases actually worked out because, uh, one, I was really close and it wasn't worth it, worth uh, doing the dorm thing. Plus, um, it let me get more comics. So, yeah, I got a ton of comics. And that's. <laughs> That's basically about it. Um, of course now I've got too many and I'm married and I no longer have that great paying government job. I still have a good paying job uh, but I also have a house and a wife and we've got two dogs and a cat which aren't cheap. Um, and of course prices on everything have gone way high. So I'm actually getting rid of a lot of stuff. So. Yeah, That's the way it works out. I have to tell you, digital. It's my friend. Um, I was hesitant with digital at first, but here's my thought. I've got an iPad. iPad lets me read it at about the regular comic book size. So I have no problem with digital now. Um, I get them through the Comixology app. I have a few older ones back before they did digital. Uh, that I won't explain, but I have those that I'm not going to get rid of. But I can also read those on my iPad. And, um, yeah. So, that's basically my history with comics. Um, I have, with all the buying that I did, I did dabble in others. Um, I have expanded over to Marvel, the bad guys, in my head. Um, You know, I checked out Spider-Man, the Avengers, Especially right around 96, 97 when they it, Heroes Return. Not Heroes Reborn. Heroes Return. I started getting the Fantastic Four and Iron Man and Captain America and the Avengers there. And um, eventually I got into Spider-Man a little bit right around the time JMS came on. Um, I, I did get the Ultimates, the Ultimate books. Um, I had the first 90 or so issues of Ultimate Spider-Man but I've sold that since then. I had the first... I had the entire Mark Miller run on Ultimate X-Men, including the crossover with the Ultimates. Plus I had the Ultimates. Um, I've sold all those off. Um, But... Mar- both Marvel and DC have been pulling some real weird stuff lately, so I've been dropping some stuff. Marvel I had dropped completely, although recently... I've come back and started checking out a few things, but I'll get more into that in a little bit. And DC kind of has brought me back with the new 52, is all I'm going to say about that, Uh, because I'll expand on more of this stuff later. But in any event, I have checked out Marvel. I've also dabbled a little into other companies like Top Cow, Image, Wildstorm before it was owned by DC, and a lot of others. And I'm telling you, there's a lot more comics out there than just the ones at the big two that are really good. Um, if you can go back and find it in the back issues, uh, Top Cow gr- had a great Tomb Raider book. Um, I kind of dropped it when Dan Juergens left the book, but the stories he did were phenomenal. Wildstorm had some good stuff. I thought The Authority was really good when Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch were on it it was all right when mark miller was there but he changed the dynamic of just about everybody so it was it's almost a different book and then after that i didn't even read those um let's see image i should like savage dragon and uh invincible's pretty cool uh i haven't checked that out for a while but i know the earlier stuff was good But, um, basically, I'm a DC nut, for better or for worse. Uh, whether you... I don't know. To me, it's a good thing. Some people would say it's a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm a DC guy. So, even though I dropped Marvel... And I've dropped DC stuff. I've even dropped Superman. Uh, you know, when they decided, hey, you know what, Superman's turning 70. Let's take him out of all of his books. And have other characters in them, and have this whole new Krypton thing. Then when we finish that, we're going to tease that everything's going to go back to normal, but instead, let's not put them back in action, because that'd be silly, and let Lex Luthor run in that for a year. And we'll have Superman do this stupid walking across the country thing. That's a great idea. That was the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But anyway... enough with that. I'm not bitter about that either. So that's me in a nutshell. I'm a DC guy. I've been reading comics for over 20 years. And my favorite is Superman which you may know because I also have a show called Superman in the Bronze Age. And I've also guested on just about all the other shows in the Superman Podcast Network. And this year is Superman's 75th birthday. So I'll be going to... I'm Well, the plan is that I'm going to Metropolis, uh, Metropolis, Illinois, for the 75th celebration. uh, I'm sorry, 35th Superman celebration, which is in June. And it looks like most of the the members of the Superman podcast network are going, so I get to meet all those guys. And I'm really looking forward to it. So anyway, that's enough about me. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play a few promos, and I'll be right back.
1: After these messages, we'll be right back.
0: The Bronze Age of Comics. An era largely ignored as far as Superman goes, and an era that some consider to still be part of the Silver Age. Sure, a lot of people know about the Kryptonite Nevermore storyline, where all the Kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron and Clark Kent goes from a newspaper reporter to a TV reporter. Then there are the Alan Moore stories, for the man who has everything and whatever happens to the man of tomorrow. But in an era that lasted 15 years, surely there's more to the Bronze Age than that, right? Well, my name is Charlie Niemeyer, and every other week, I shine the spotlight on this long-overlooked era of Superman in the Bronze Age. Featuring such stories as the return of Jonathan Kent, two meetings with The Amazing Spider-Man, the Phantom Zone miniseries, the enlarging of Krypton, and more. Plus, J. David Weeder also joins in to take a look at Superboy's Bronze Age adventures. So join in the fun at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com and www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com
2: The Hulk on Podcasts
1: Hulk like podcasts Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash
2: The Hulk on Peter David
1: Hulk like to read Peter David comics Hulk have problem making words Hulk write down Peter David wrote a seminal run on The Incredible Hulk for 12 years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones, bold character developments, and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took The Incredible Hulk and the comic book medium as a whole to new heights.
2: The Hulk on Peter David Podcasts.
1: Uh, HULK NOT FIND PETER DAVID PODCASTS HULK GET MAD HULK SMASH
2: Hey folks, in order to appease the rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. PAD SMASH, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weider, on a journey through the saga of Old J Jaws at www.IncredibleHulkSmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics. Pat Smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness, smashed MP3 players, overturned vehicles, tanks thrown through the ceiling, injured supervillains on the lawn, gamma bomb detonations, property damage from debris deep-rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse resulting in an alternate self-destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb or anal leakage
1: hey kids comics hey michael
2: yeah we need to do a new promo a new one a new one why because we've moved moved we've moved to a new place we still read comics we do we still talk about comics because you can't do a comic book podcast unless you read and talk about comics because that's kind of stupid but now we have a new episode still available every thursday but at two true hey kids
1: comics
2: so remember hey kids comics has moved to two true still every thursday that'll do
0: won't it Okay, next up. Uh, This is probably normally where I would do reviews, but I don't have a review for this month because I wanted to do an introduction, and I don't want this to go too long with it being New Year's and everything. So today I'm going to do some news. Now, the plan is that I won't be doing much news because the episode won't be... Well, my plan is to record these a little earlier than this one. So, you know, most of the news wouldn't be current. But as this episode I've waited till the last minute, I've decided to throw in some news. So first up, I figured I'd mentioned, uh Well, I figured I would mention Amazing Spider-Man number 700. This has gotten some big news. Now, spoiler warnings, I am going to mention some stuff. I haven't read it, but I do know that basically since issue 698... Dr. Octopus has been in Peter Parker's body, and Peter has been in Dr. Octopus's body, and Doc Ock's body is dying. And apparently the way they left 700 is that Doc Ock's body has died, ergo Peter Parker's dead, in the real Marvel, not the Ultimate Marvel's, uh universe. Uh, but Doc Ock, in being in Peter's body, has access to his brain, which means he gets... All of his memories, his feelings, his sense of responsibility, uh, and therefore, he's decided that he's giving—he's not going to be bad anymore. He's going to be a good guy. He's going to be a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker ever was. In fact, he's going to be a superior Spider-Man, which involves a uh, upgr- upgrade to the costume a little bit and a whole new series. I don't know how long this will last, but I'm kind of against it. Um, it for one, it seems very fanfiction-y. like very fanfictiony. So I don't, and I don't know what Marvel saw that decided, "Hey, this is a good idea," because it's really not. Um, fortunately, though, the newspaper strips still have Peter Parker as Spider-Man like normal, so at least we still got those hopefully. Uh, The next bit of news is uh, Gail Simone uh, a couple weeks ago got fired from Batgirl via email, which was not really a nice way to do it. Fortunately, thanks to all the fan protests, she's back on the book. Um, Well, I say fortunately. I actually enjoy the Batgirl series I know there's a lot of people that don't. In fact, just yesterday, I listened to an episode of Batgirl the Oracle done by Stella. And the three people, uh, she had a couple of guests on, Josh Bertoni and uh, Donovan Morgan Grant. And none of them were too upset about the gal being fired. They didn't like how she got fired, but they were kind of glad she was fired. So I'm sure they're not happy that she's back. Like I said, I actually enjoyed the Batgirl book. So, you know, it depends on how you were liking the book. I enjoyed it, so I have no problem with her being back on. Um, It lets her finish... Hopefully she at least gets to finish what she was trying to start in the first place. I don't know how long she's going to be able to stay on the book, or how long she's even going to want to stay on the book, considering that they had just fired her. So, we'll see. But, for now, it's kind of cool. Um... That's really all the, new, like I said, I've never done a news segment on a podcast before, so that's you know that's really the big news. That and Stan Lee just turned ninety. Ninety, he's old, but he's still pretty active. He's still going out and getting and going to conventions and doing autographs and shows up on TV. He's still got his production company going, making cartoons and anime and TV shows and trying to make movies and making comics. And supposedly he's still writing that newspaper, that Spider-Man newspaper strip. I kind of find that hard to believe, but you never know. Um, but uh, as far as stuff I'm currently enjoying... Um, I'm going to recommend some stuff that you should be checking out. First of all, like I said, I am covering, uh, reading some stuff at Marvel now. <laughs> Ironically, it is Marvel now. Um, I'm trying to stay away from the Brian Michael Bendis stuff. No offense, I'm just not a fan of his anymore. It takes him six issues to tell a story, and that story isn't even finished in those six issues, and you need six more for like chapter two. I- it's just not my style but if you want some really good reading first off I recommend Hawkeye basically you're getting single issue stories so far there's been one two-parter in six issues that's not bad but uh, it's, it's actually a really fun book uh, he's not in costume much but he's still being Hawkeye so it's really cool uh, daredevil by Mark Wade. I also highly recommend it. He's not the doom and gloom daredevil anymore. I mean, he's not like bright, sunshiny, you know, carefree guy. He still has stuff going on, but he's not the doom and gloom daredevil from before. So that's cool. It's it's a fun book. Hawkeye is also fun, and I should mention that that's by Matt Fraction and David Aha or Aja? I believe it's Aja is how it's pronounced. And Daredevil is by Mark Wade and whoever they happen to get to be the artist at a given time because it keeps changing. Fantastic 4. Uh now I checked out F uh, Fantastic 4 is two books right now. Fantastic 4 and FF. Fantastic 4 is by Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley. This is a fun book. I like Matt Fraction's writing and I love Mark Bagley's art. Makes, so and it's actually really cool. FF is by Matt Fraction and Mike Allred. I like Mike Allred's art as well. I'm not enjoy I don't like this book quite as much because it's not the Fantastic Four. Um I'm kinda set my ways like that. When I read a book about the Fantastic Four, I'm trying to read about the guys. Mr Fantastic, the thing, Invisible Woman and the Torch. Um what basically what's going on is the first two the first issue of Fantastic Four and FF were set up where the, fantastic, the regular f- group of Fantastic Four are going on this special mission. It's supposed to only take, it's supposed to be through time and space. Basically, <clears throat> according to the way Reed Richards has it figured out, it sh- they should be gone from our time for four minutes. But it's a year long trip as far as, the f- as, far as they'll, they'll be concerned. But they'll only be gone from our time for four minutes. In that four minutes, the Fantastic Four have gotten substitutes to fill in for them for that four minutes because they don't want to leave the Earth unprotected. Because, you know, it's not like the world's got the Avengers and all the other Marvel heroes. So they've selected Ant-Man, She-Hulk, Medusa, I think? Queen of the Inhumans? And um, uh, Johnny Storm's girlfriend. Who has superpowers, I just... I'm still learning about her. Anyway, the four of them are going to be their substitutes. So the FF is about the substitutes, and the Fantastic Four is following the main crew. So I'm more into Fantastic Four. You can also I, you might also want to check out FF, but I'm going to recommend Fantastic Four. Finally, Indestructible Hulk. This is another Mark Wade book, and it's drawn by Linell Yu who has done some pretty cool stuff in the past, including Superman Birthright, which is one of my favorite. In fact, he worked with Mark Waid on Superman Birthright. and That's one of my favorite Superman stories. So it works out. Uh, This is a cool book that's only two issues in, so it's a good time to be able to find the first, you know, to get the first two issues. But it's also single-issue stories so far, in the first two. And it's also a lot of fun. And um, I checked it out because I got a couple of—I've got three friends that do an H- incredible Hulk podcast called Pad Smash, which basically covers the Peter David era on the Hulk. But all three of them are big Hulk fans as well, so I decided I'll go check it out, and it's really good. So I highly recommend. It. Oh, and those friends are J. David Weeder, Lee Busby, and Michael Bailey. You've probably heard of them. Make sure you check out that show. Um, And then over at DC, my favorite stuff right now is uh, The Flash, which is a good book. Um, You're only into the second year. You can get the earlier stuff in trades, and it's just a lot of fun. And you're only having to follow one book. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, But also in the super books. Now, right now, Grant Morrison's doing his own thing in action. It's not bad, but it's not tying in with the other books. Superboy, Supergirl, and Superman are currently doing Hell on Earth, which is turning out to be a fun little story. Uh, It's going to go on for, I think, like four months, five months, and uh, it involves the three of them teaming up for the first time and dealing with another Kryptonian. Uh, And I'm actually covering that on another podcast called The New 52 Adventures of Superman, uh, with John Wilson and J. David Weeder, they are the actual hosts for the show, and I'm guest. I'm the guest host for just those, just the episodes covering the Hell on Earth miniseries, and it's it's fun reading, and it's been fun covering it. So I would suggest checking that out. And also, right now they have Death of the Family over in the Bat books. Um, that's it's also fun. Um, the Bat the Batman books are doing really well right now. My favorite is the main Batman book by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Um, It's just an awesome Batman book. And really, right now, that's about it. Um, I'm getting into the Legion of Superheroes stuff right now. Uh, That's been pretty cool, although with DC's New 52, uh, reading through the Legion, I found out that it didn't get a reboot with the new number ones. Apparently the New 52 reboot for the Legion occurred a year earlier when they got their own series after the whole Legion of Three Worlds thing finished, after Final Crisis. And stuff in those books actually carries over into the New 52 stuff, which kind of ticks me off, but nothing I can do about it. So I'm actually going back and reading some of the older stuff first. So, um... But yeah, those are my recommendations. I hope um, you might want to check those out. Uh, so now I'm going to do a few, more, a few more promos, and then I got one more little feature.
1: After these messages, we'll, be right back.
2: well, hello there. I'm Jay David Weeder. You may know me from the internet. Come in, enjoy my palatial arctic estate. Ah, I see you noticed the smell of mahogany, and my hardback archive and showcase editions. Yeah, I do alright for myself. Listen, why don't you get cozy here with me on my titano skin rug while Mattalo mixes up a drinky drink. Matello, soda color martini, shaken. Look, I want you to come with me to a place. A place where it's only you, and me, and the Man of Steel, maybe Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane? Wait, wait, where are you going? No, this isn't me coming on to you. This is a podcast promo. What I'm trying to propose is joining me weekly, like Clark Kent did when he threw the green crystal into the water and saw Marlon Brando's giant head appear, only in podcast form, and my head just won't even be visible because it is an audio medium. Once a week, delve into the world of Superman with me on Superman Forever Radio. Look at comics, toy lines, TV series, characters, creators, anything and everything connected to the Man of Steel. Every Sunday at SupermanForever.com, iTunes, and other podcatchers. Superman Forever Radio, fighting for truth and justice forever. That's SupermanForever.com.
1: His strength is incredible. His name is legendary. His battle is never-ending. Faster than a speedy bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. My name is Michael Bailey, and I host an internet radio show called Views from the Long Box. Superman is my favorite character of all time, and in 2013, he is turning 75. Because of this, a large portion of the episodes this year will be about the Man of Steel in a series I'm calling Superman, Superman at 75, at 75 the, celebration the celebration of a legend. Of a legend. I'm going to mark Superman's birthday in fine style by examining all aspects of the character's history, from the comics, to the movies, to the television series, and beyond, both alone and with the best and brightest of the podcasting world. It may not be every episode, but the bulk of views in 2013 will be all about the Man of Steel. He is the first and greatest superhero of them all, and he deserves no less. Superman at 75 The celebration of a legend. A series within a series, and the biggest birthday card a fan can give his favorite hero. Only at Views from the Long Box. Views from the Long Box is a fortress of Bailey-tude production. New episodes drop every other Tuesday over at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com and for this series, over at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com Twenty-seven years ago, the planet Krypton was destroyed. An infant boy and his cousin survived and have found a refuge here on Earth. But they were not alone. Another scion of the House of El has arrived. Why is he here? What is his purpose? And how will Kal el and Kara Zor-El respond? When faced with hell on earth.
2: The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a podcast that covers the current adventures of Superman and his family of characters. Join John Wilson, J. David Weeder, and guest host Charlene Meyer as they review and discuss this latest crossover adventure. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is available on iTunes and at new52superman.libson.com.
0: Now my next feature is is going to be a top five list. Um, And what I wanted to do this time was my least favorite artist because I'd actually read a few things lately that involved my least favorite artist. But I don't want to end the first episode of this show on a downer. So I decided that in addition to that, I'm also going to do my top five... Favorite artists in comics. Um, just so we can end on a high note, you know what I'm saying. So first off, I should point out that as I'm talking, I'm staring at a scarf. I don't know why. It's like it's a person. It's weird. Anyway, least favorite artists. <clears throat> now these aren't really in any particular order, other than the top, other than the number two and number one. Um, but you know. Whenever you're doing something like comics, and with as many comics as that are out there right now, you're not going to find great art all the time. Uh, One of my least favorite artists is Duncan Rouleau. Rouleau? Rouleau? I don't know how to say his last name. I think he's French. Um, He's not terrible. Uh, He's got some spots where he's actually pretty good. I liked his Metal Men miniseries that he did for DC a couple years ago. But he did some art on Superman that downright sucked. I'm just going to say that. Sometimes Superman had, like, Elvis hair. Sometimes he didn't. And he just was not consistent on things. He's one of the... He's part of the Men of Action group that does stuff like uh, the Ben 10 cartoon and the Machine Rex, I believe it's called. Now, see... With them, he had done a comic a long time, uh, several years ago, probably 90s, that was called M-Rex, which I believe is actually the basis for the Machine Rex show that either is currently, or a couple years ago anyway, was on Cartoon Network. He drew that issue and did the designs for the cartoon. And that stuff looks good. Um, it's just I didn't like how he, what he did with the superhero stuff at DC, the he did some stuff with Superman and Captain, Amer- Captain America with Superman, Captain Marvel, and some Batman stuff and it just didn't, uh, didn't work for me so I am not a fan of his um, next up, Don Heck part of the reason I don't like Don Heck's art is because when I see his name for a long time I kept thinking he was Don Newton who was actually a really good artist at DC back in the late 70s and early 80s, so that was a big disappointment. Second, he just didn't do very good work for, to me. Uh, he did some work with some, with Marvel, uh, some X-Men stuff. He also came over to DC and did things like uh, Commander Steel, or was it Citizen Steel? Then he did uh, the Steel miniseries with great uh, with Jerry Ord, no Jerry Conway as well as some fill-in stuff on several other books, as well as doing a lot of the Batgirl stories when she was a backup feature in Detective Comics. I'm just not a fan of Don Heck's art style. Uh, Yeah, he also did some Justice League. And they put him on Justice League right after George Perez leaves. What were they thinking? Anyway. Another artist I'm not a huge fan of. Carmine Infantino okay I know he's a big deal he created uh, the look of the Barry Allen Flash and he was the art coordinator for DC for years but his art is too angular angular for me and kind of not sloppy but some of his older stuff was better during the Silver Age when he did redesign the Flash and he came up with the new look Batman stuff but later on when, as Michael Bailey describes it as he started drawing with a straight edge it, his artwork just looked like crap um, he did some Star Wars stuff which I wasn't a fan of and he did, he returned to the Flash and it doesn't look any better so Carmine, I'm sorry but I'm not a huge fan of yours now, number two is one that I have never found a piece of artwork that he's done that I liked. And that's Paul Pope. Now, people like his work. I don't know why. Uh, his Batman looks like crap. And he th- he's done a lot of Batman stuff. He even did a whole miniseries that I want to say went for a year or half a year called Batman Year 100 or something like that. And it just was it did not look good. The story might have been good, I don't know, I didn't read it because I didn't like the art. And to me, if you're going to read a comic, if it's something you're not already reading, you really need to like both the writing and the art. And I just didn't like the art. So I'm not a fan of Paul Pope. And finally, probably my least favorite artist in comics is Bill Sienkiewicz. Now, some of his really early stuff at Marvel looked pretty good. He did some artwork on Fantastic Four that looked really good. He was, of course, at the time, he was kind of emulating Neil Adams. Uh, Later on, he decided to go with this new style that involves him doing some art and then, like, taking a bucket of paint and flinging it at the page. And that I'm not a fan of. It's... It works if for scenes like a dream sequence. Uh, during the Superman Our Worlds at War, there were actually scenes in... For one month, there was like two pages in each issue that came out that month that involved some kind of a dream sequence that Bill Sienkiewicz did. Those looked good. But I'm not a fan of his style normally. Uh, he's done some graphic novel stuff. People love it. I can't even look at him. Uh, especially like Electra Yeah. And then, uh, during. A, he's also not my favorite inker. I've got. I've read The uh, uh, Batman Legacy. This was the follow up or the sequel to Batman Contagion, uh, where Rajal Ghoul is trying to spread this terrible disease across the world, and Batman and company have to stop him. The Batman issues were drawn by Jim Aparo, who you'll see on the next part of this list, but or later on, but is a great Batman artist, in my opinion. But he's inked by Bill Sienkiewicz, and what Sienkiewicz did makes Jim's art look sloppy and unfinished. Now, I don't know, maybe he got it last minute, maybe he didn't get time to finish, but... I'm sorry. He couldn't even finish filling in the inks on the bat symbol. That's... I mean, come on. So, he's probably my least favorite artist of all time. Now, on to my favorite ones, because let's let's do this upbeat. Number five. Ivan Reese, who actually should be probably higher up, except that this list this list is not in any particular order. But we're going to go with Ivan Rees first. Ivan Rees is a current artist and he's phenomenal. Uh, He started off over to my knowledge, he started off over at Marvel on Peter David's Captain Marvel I believe, and moved over to DC where he really jumped up in popularity doing action comics. Granted, Chuck Austin was writing it, but At least the stories looked amazing. After that, he moved over to the Green Lantern books in time for big stuff like, oh, I don't know, the Sinestro Corps War, and was also the main artist for Blackest Night. And then, more recently, with the New 52... Oh, and then he did uh, Brightest Day. And then, uh, with the New 52, he helped Jeff Johns relaunch the new Aquaman title. And currently, he's switched over from Aquaman to the Justice League and is the current penciler for Justice League. This guy's art is amazing. It's very reminiscent of artists like Neil Adams or Alan Davis, which is not a bad thing. And he's able to keep a good schedule. He's pretty consistent. And his take I have yet to find a ta- his take on any character that didn't look good. His version of Superman is awesome. His version of Superboy is awesome. His version of Batman is great. His version of Flash is awesome. I mean, look at it. Look at covers to Justice. Look at the issue 15 of Justice League. Look at the Aquaman series. This Aquaman is amazing. Look at Blackest Night. He did great stuff over there. Um, And his version of Green Lantern is amazing. I wish he was still on the Superman books. It would be awesome. But what are you going to do? But, yes, Ivan Reese is a great artist. Another one is a legend in the comics field, George Perez. There's a few characters he draws that I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of his... um, I'm not a fan of his Spider-Man. I'm kind of not a fan of his Human Torch, only because while everyone else has been trying to update their look, both George Perez and John Byrne, who is also on this list prefer to keep with the old-fashioned draw a bunch of lines on them. And, I mean, that's not a terrible thing, but sometimes you just gotta make some changes to go with the modern times. But, his artwork is phenomenal. He's done work with Wonder Woman. His Wonder Woman is the Wonder Woman to me. He's done some stuff with Superman. His Superman is the Superman to me. Although he has had some problems with the new 52 costume. But in the classic costume, his Superman's amazing. Um, He's also done Teen Titans stuff. He's the only one that makes the old Robin costume with the tight little shorts look actually pretty good. Well, not the only one, but he's one of the few that can do that. And he's just a phenomenal artist. So if you're going to look for a great artist, look for George Perez. And if you really want to see a good example of his art, check out JLA vs. The Avengers. That's some awesome artwork. Anyway, next up, Neil Adams. And when I say Neil Adams, I'm thinking more of the older stuff. The new stuff's not bad. It looks a little scratchy and a little crazy sometimes. But as far as artwork, he's a great artist. Um, his writing is a little weird. Uh, see the Batman Odyssey stuff for that. But as far as his artwork, I am a huge fan of Neil Adams. Uh, Since back in the late 60s when he was doing Brave and the Bold, to his cover work for most of the the DC books, uh, to the stuff he's done over at Marvel more recently, he's just done a phenomenal job. Uh, Another great artist is Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And you know how I know that he's a great artist, because DC said, hey, we want you to be the artist for all of our marketing stuff. And that started in the early 80s and continues to this day. Uh, he If you buy anything with a DC character on it, uh, most likely it's going to be artwork by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Granted, these days they're also starting to pull some comic stuff and some Jim Lee stuff, but if you're looking at classic stuff, it's Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, his he's, I mean, he's just got the definitive char- uh, version of just about every character out there. I would love to see his take on the New Fifty Two stuff because I haven't seen that. Um, everything has been classic stuff. For some reason, whenever he draws Batman, he does a combination of the new costume and old costume. Uh, Basically, he keeps the yellow oval, probably for marketing reasons, but other than that, and he does some great work for the licensing stuff as far as uh, the movies. He's actually done some artwork for um, Batman, or the Dark Knight Rises stuff, and it looks phenomenal. So, yes, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is a great artist. And number one, Alan Davis. He's worked for both of the big companies. He's probably worked for the other, for some of the other companies. He started off at Marvel UK. And it's almost always been amazing. Uh, I first saw his artwork in Justice League The Nail, the first miniseries, Went back and found out he did some Batman and the Outsiders in the 80s. He's done some X-Men stuff for Marvel. Um, he's done some Avengers stuff, which were my favorite issues of the Avengers. Uh, he's done some Kill Raven stuff, which I believe he wrote. Uh, he came back to DC for The Nail 2. He also helped with um, Superboy's Legion. Uh, but yeah, he also has a de- very definitive version of all the characters. He's very much influenced by Neil Adams, but can do- also do his own stuff. So yeah, though these those guys are my favorite artists. And honorable mentions um, for favorite artists because I, I have a lot more favorites than I have least favorites. But um, some of the ones that I also wanted to put up there, but you know there was more, only five spots. Kurt Swan. He's an awesome He was an amazing artist, unfortunately, he's passed away, but he was an amazing artist. Um, he got to me, his style got better a lot, but he was mostly an illustrator, not really a comic artist, so he wasn't very good with the action stuff. Um, but, like I said, his art style is amazing, and he's got the definitive Superman. Outside of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, um, to me his art style just got better and better. He's really good with pinups. He's better with pinups than action scenes, is what I'll say. Tom Grummett, uh, I first met Tom. Well, not met. I was first introduced to his work during the Death of Super, uh, Death and Return of Superman saga. Um, his work is amazing. My favorite inker for him is Doug Hazelwood but he does just fine with just about anybody. His artwork always looks amazing. Last I saw him doing anything, excuse me, he was doing covers for uh, the Marvel, the Mighty Marvel, the their most recent versions of the handbook, as well as doing some stuff on X-Men Forever, which was a, supposed to be a modern continuation of where, of where Chris Claremont left off when he left the X-Books in the early 90s. But, yes, Tom Grummet is awesome. Dan Jurgens is another great artist. he to me he's not quite as good as Tom Grummet, but he was always my second favorite Superman artist um, and he's another one of those guys that can draw just about anyone really well and one of my favorite works that he's done is the Superman Fantastic Four team up. but uh, yes, Dan Jurgens is amazing. Jim Aparo another artist where I like his older stuff better because his newer stuff was starting to look a little stiff but unfortunately he's also passed away but his stuff was amazing and he's done some of the biggest Batman stories ever including the death of the Jason Todd Robin back when he actually died and the actual he's the one that drew, drew the panel where Bane broke Batman's back so yes Jim Jim is also a fantastic artist. Brian Hitch, who I mentioned earlier with some of his stuff on The Authority, um, he's also very much influenced by both Neil Adams and Alan Davis. Um, Part of the reason that I didn't put him on my favorite artist list is his time. He's a comic artist, but to me, if you're going to be a comic artist, you have to be able to maintain the schedule or you have to make some changes to your art to allow you to maintain the schedule. It took him two years to do 12 issues no it took longer than that. I think it took four years to do 12 issues of The Ultimates. Um, he signed on with Mark Miller to do Fantastic Four for 12 issues. He was supposed to have gotten this huge head start, he said he was having the time of his life, and that didn't work. And he was only on there for a few issues. So right now he's doing his own uh, a sort of creator own book. I hope that's working out for him. I haven't read that. Jem um, Lee is also a fantastic artist. Um, a lot of people don't like his comic book storytelling, but this list I'm looking at the artwork, not so much the storytelling. Artwork is his artwork is amazing, and. He's also currently one of the go-to, he's also doing one of, the mar- one of the marketing guys, and he's getting ready to do a big Superman book with Scott Snyder, so I'm really excited about that. And my final favorite arti- uh, honorable mention is Don Newton, who has also passed away, unfortunately, um, but he did some fantastic stuff on Captain Marvel, Aquaman, and Batman in the late 70s and early 80s. Fantastic stuff. And that's going to do it for this first episode. My plan for the first episode of the month uh, normally is going to be to cover comics, and then the other episode of the month is to cover other media. However, since things are thrown off a bit by me putting the first episode out for New Year's, there's three episodes for this month. So the second two episodes are going to cover an overall, uh, i.e. not really in-depth, look at the history of the Transformers in which I'll have a couple of guests joining me. So make sure to tune in next Wednesday for Episode 2. And before I go, I want to give a shout-out to J. David Weider, whose promos you heard earlier and who I mentioned is a fan of the Hulk. Uh, Once again, uh, because he also did this to help me with Superman in the Bronze Age, David helped me get the website for this show, which is www.charliesgeekcast.com, all set up, as well as he paid for the URL so I can't thank him enough. I do owe him some food at the Superman celebration. But thank you so much Dave. I wouldn't be able to do the show without you. And um, okay, that's enough with the sentimental crap. I hope you all have a happy new year and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. This has been an episode of Charlie's Geekcast hosted by Charlie niemeyer The show's website is www.charliesgeekcast.com where you will find notes and images for each episode. Please feel free to leave a comment there or email the show at charliesgeekcast at gmail.com and I'll read them on the air. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes. I also have another show called Superman of the Bronze Age where I cover Superman comics published between 1970 and 1986. You can find that at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com. Charlie's Geek Cast is an I Don't Have a Fake Company Name production, all images and music used are copyright their respective copyright holders. Thank you for listening and God bless.